and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and I'm very pleased to welcome Sinead Stevenson McCabe onto the show to talk about her role within GCU's Department of Law, her career in industry and academia and some exciting new upcoming projects that she's working on. Sinead, it's great to see you. Thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Craig. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, you haven't been with the university for very long, Sinead. You joined us in March, just before we went into lockdown. How have you found the past seven months? Strange, I think, <laughs> would be would be the word. But you know, Craig, I think I've been really lucky. I've got a really lovely team. The students have been great. GCU, I think, has coped tremendously well with what was especially back in March, a real crisis situation. And it's it's been good. It's I've, I've enjoyed it. I was um, speaking to some of my colleagues the other day and saying, you know, if we could remove the coronavirus from the last seven months, then it would have been even better. But I've, I've really enjoyed um, my new role since I started. And it is weird working at the opposite end of my dining table to my husband. And <laughs> you learn quite quickly that you're, you don't really know what your partner's like at work. Um, they use business lingo and so do you. And <laughs> you're completely... <laughs> Um, yeah, completely exposed on that front. But no, it's been good. It's just a different way of working, right? How have you found uh, teaching the students online? You know, our students, I think, have shown themselves to be incredibly resilient. Um, a number of our students, um, for, for credit, were actually completed, completing placements remotely um, with me, which, I mean, the work they've produced is incredible. Their adaptability has been brilliant. It's challenging, though. It is challenging, and I know it's hard for them, too. And I also think that while they've shown a huge amount of resilience and adaptability, we're now in a really good place where we're not in that emergency situation anymore. We've had a little bit of time to kind of get everything pulled together and ready for the next trimester. And I'm really excited. I can't wait to get back to teaching. So tell me about the law department at the university. What makes it different to other law departments that you might have encountered during your career? Well, one of the main things for me and actually what attracted me so much to this role when I saw it advertised was the Law Clinic. The Law Clinic at GCU is an incredible organisation run by the academic director, Claire McVadgen, and a student management team. And basically what the Law Clinic does, it seeks to improve access to justice for our communities. And they do that through a whole different variety of programmes. They do casework, so that would be what you traditionally think of lawyers doing. That's people coming to us with problems and they can't afford a lawyer, but they're not eligible for legal aid. And our students, supported by Claire and supported by Sheridan solicitors, will help them with those problems. So that can be unfair contract terms, that can be employment issues, a whole host of different things. And they also do a lot of outreach work, public legal education work, so helping people know what their rights are in particular situations and engaging with people so that they have that higher awareness of the law and, and how it can be used for, for them, for their communities. So they run a really successful street law project, which is all about that kind of work, that public legal education work. And they've done some incredible work over the last year. Um, even, even through the coronavirus crisis, the, the law clinic's still been going and we've appointed our new management committee um, so we have our new student director, Lucy Mackay, um, is in post as of June. She's taken over now. And yeah, it's been great. Me and Lucy have had a, a good summer together. We've been launching our, um, our GCU Law podcast, which has been good fun, learning from 
yourself as the master, Craig. <laughs> um, so they, they do that. a whole. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's been great, and you have been so supportive. But it's a funny thing; you don't realise how much you hate your own voice until you have to hear it back <laughs> repeatedly as you edit it. Um, but yeah, so they do a whole variety of different things, the law clinic, and the really that is what's different about GCU law for me and, and what attracted me to the role. It's also great because we have um, a really tight knit team as mm-hmm. as academics, really supportive team, and I think that as well for me has really made the pandemic a much easier journey than it would have been otherwise because everyone's very supportive and you can really rely on one another um, as that small group you get mm-hmm. that collective mindset of we'll get through this together. Yeah, the law clinic is definitely something the university should be really proud of and it's really the sort of thing that embodies the, what the common good is. How will students benefit from being part of the law clinic? I mean I think you're absolutely right to say it embodies what the common good is all about and it's also about action, you know, the law clinic is about taking that learning that they do in the classroom and lecture theatres and putting it into action. And I think that for students in particular, it's really important to learn those skills early on in your career, because I think that's actually what makes your degree to some extent really meaningful. A lot of students, and I include myself amongst that when I was a student, come into law because you want to do good. You want to work for that common good. You want to think about improving access to justice in your communities. You want to think about how the law can be used as a tool for social justice. And that can sometimes seem a little remote when you're learning from textbooks and that kind of traditional learning that's so important because it's what underpins all of your practical work, learning how to read a case, how to use precedent, what legislation looks like you know you'll maybe never have seen it before until you start university and then you start engaging with it and then thinking more and more as you go through your degree about perhaps how you would reform that or how you would use it in a courtroom setting but being able to use those skills right from the outset in the clinic is a wonderful thing because it makes your your degree real I think in a very practical way and it also means that you feel like you are contributing to your community there's no feeling like the feeling of knowing that the work you're doing is important and impactful, I think. I think when you have that purpose behind you, even on hard days, maybe when your degree doesn't feel like necessarily um, it is what you hoped it might be, or you're struggling with a class, or maybe exam results aren't what you wanted them to be, but remembering that you're developing those skills and that it is a journey that contributes to that wider common good. I think that's a really important thing and I think students benefit massively from that. So as well as the law clinic, what kind of other things will our students learn whether at GCU? So they have their practical kind of core degree subjects and as part of that they learn everything that the Law Society of Scotland requires for them to go on to be practicing lawyers and that'll be things like public law, it'll be human rights law, it'll also be commercial law, Um, so a whole host of different subjects within the core degree. But we also have a number of projects that we're developing at GCU and in the law department that, again, gives them that broader range of skills. So something that I've been working on for the last few months is a new project that we're launching, the Public Interest Litigation Project. And that project is really about building on the incredible work that the Law Clinic does, getting students to think about practical skills and thinking about that in a really strategic sense. So public interest litigation for anybody who doesn't know 
is using the law, using access to the courts for issues of wider public interest. So normally a court case quite often it would be between private individuals and it wouldn't have impact out with that. It would be about these two people, perhaps there's a contract dispute and X owes Y some money and that gets resolved through the courts. You can also use the courts for that wider public interest and that's either because you're looking to reform the law, you're challenging it, saying that you don't think it's fair and it affects a, a large section of society, or you're perhaps trying to use human rights law to advance the rights of a community. And we all know examples of this, you know, if you think about the US system, cases like Brown against Board of Education, that's it's a civil rights case, it's a public interest litigation case. And then in the Scottish context, much more recently than that, if you think about cases like the uh, recent lock change asylum case, the Circle, Lock change case. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was a case that was looking to to challenge a particular policy. Um, it's interesting because that case actually um, what wasn't successful. But sometimes in public interest litigation, that's not the end of the story because public interest litigation is about more than just the court case. It can be about campaign. It can be about raising awareness in the community. It can be about planting the seed that something's unfair and maybe coming back and challenging it a different way. And there traditionally hasn't been a huge culture of that in Scotland for lots of different reasons, lots of, you know, kind of techie, lawyery reasons, and also just there isn't that culture in the same way. But over the last few years, a number of organisations, Clan Child Law, Human Rights Consortium Scotland, Amnesty, have been working to, to try and build that culture up. And one of the things they've been looking to do is to engage students more with that kind of thinking. The idea to some extent being that if you get students thinking about this from an early stage in their career, then that culture shift starts to happen, you know, right from when you're 18. Mm -hmm. And when you become a practicing lawyer, you're already thinking that kind of strategic campaign minded kind of lawyering. So the project that I am developing at GCU, um, we started it over the summer. We actually started it early because of COVID. It shows you how COVID in some ways has actually yeah, really being incredibly disruptive, but sometimes disruption actually brings good things in the end. So we started the public interest litigation project with some of our students who do our professional links module. And that module is all about placements and they go into law centres, they go into citizen advice bureaus and, and do work with them. But a lot of those placements halted because of COVID and the students came and worked with me on the public interest litigation project, a number of them. And what they did in the first instance was I gave them public interest litigation cases to look at, to prepare case notes and briefings on, and start engaging with that kind of thinking. And then they had to propose to me what they thought would be a subject for, for public interest litigation in Scotland, what would be a good thing to do, to do a case like this on that they can see unfairness in their communities or in our wider society and how would they use the law to challenge that. Um, and it was great because it means the students are thinking creatively about how they can use their skills and something perhaps in their own lives that they see as being unfair and how they could use their skill set to challenge that. So we're creating a, a website, an online space where we're going to make the case briefings available that they do. The idea being that we're creating a little bit of a database of public interest litigation with the students having prepared these case summaries and then also we're speaking to partners about how we can develop that work further and actually get students involved in the more practical side of things so that's been good fun I've enjoyed that over yeah. the summer working with the students on that it's yeah that that's the kind of work that I really enjoy um, and it's so interesting the students are so 
clever perhaps that seems like a silly thing to say but you know they just impress me so much their ideas you think gosh you really are some of the sharpest and strategic thinkers it's it's amazing the the proposals they've come up with i've really enjoyed reading them and it's pushed me as a lawyer to think well actually yeah these are really good ideas and it gives me a lot of hope when we're in quite a dark time that actually we've got such great young lawyers coming through yeah, that leads me very nicely onto my next question, Sinead. What is the lie of land at the moment? What is the state of the law industry? I, I imagine it's very competitive. There may be too many trainees for the number of positions available. Yeah. What sort of industry are our students going out into? It is tough. Um, I think it would be, I think it's tough everywhere, Craig, right now. I think there's no industry that hasn't been hit by this crisis. One of the things I do think is important to remember is how important law and access to justice is at moments like this. We've recently seen some discussion around law centres and citizens advice bureaus perhaps having their funding restructured in ways where they, they were going to have some services cut and I know that, that that's now in a wider discussion and hopefully those centres will be getting the funding that they need but what has come out of that discussion is how important law and lawyers are right now so if you're on a insecure contract and your boss isn't taking you back after covid and you think actually this feels very unfair and x got their job back but i didn't and is that because you know i'm a i'm a mum is it because i have young children then the law is there to protect you the law is there to challenge that equally if you're in your rented accommodation and you've not been able to pay the rent because you've simply not had any income over the last few months it's law and lawyers that will be protecting you from eviction and challenging that process so it is a really tough environment for trainees for all lawyers i think just now but i think what we should remember at a higher level at a governmental level council level is the importance of law and lawyers just now and so I'm hopeful that our students who have had incredible training at GCU and especially those who've worked at the law clinic have that practical work experience and knowledge I'm hoping that they'll go out and yeah make sure that the society we come out of post-pandemic isn't actually um, one in which people don't feel their rights are being protected but it is tough and um, I, I, I know that that is true it's interesting though Craig because for a lot of trainees and those who are studying the diploma which you need to do before you become a, a trainee solicitor they don't always know how good they are um, and they do have a skill set that they've developed as students and they bring something to offices that new generation of lawyers do bring something something new so I think that it's a challenging environment certainly just now and very competitive but we should make sure that they don't get left behind because they are what make our profession better I think. Do you know it's really great listening to you talk about law and it's, it's very clear you're very passionate about it. Where did that come from? At what point did you decide I want to pursue a career in law? So I actually for a long time didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> I spent, you know, it would be such a great narrative if I could tell you. Aged five I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer and that's that's just not true. It's, it's absolutely not true. Um, I did a law degree because I wanted to be a journalist. I was interested in people and their stories and narrative and politics and social justice and I thought a law degree was something that, that would encompass a lot of, of those things that I was interested in. Um, so I did a law degree um, and I actually also did English literature with, with the law degree which again shows you that what I was interested in at that time was very much narrative stories, people's lived experiences and my idea had been that I would go 
go become a journalist. And then I loved it. I really liked it. I really liked that way of thinking. Um, I like building an argument. Um, I am an arguer. I like a good argument. <laughs> and um, I, I started really enjoying that. I really loved human rights law. And I like the practicality of human rights law, that you could actually see outcomes. You could see how people's lives could be changed by using law in a particular way. When I got to the end of my degree, though, I still wasn't sure. I felt like I needed to think, which is another important thing. We've talked a little bit about employability and there's no harm, I don't think, in taking some time to think. A career is a really long thing and you should pause and think, well, what is it that I enjoy and, and what do I want to explore further? So for a year after I graduated university, I worked at a small charity doing policy and research work um, with ethnic minority communities, which I enjoyed um, very much. But I did miss law. I missed law and I decided to go back and do a master's in international law, which encompassed UN law and human rights law. So that was really what, what I enjoyed. And again, I, I wouldn't have gone and done that LLM, I wouldn't have gone and done that master's degree if I hadn't had funding to do it. I was very lucky to get a scholarship. And I think that's something else that's important that we acknowledge when we're talking to students is that it's a really challenging thing to want to do that further study if you don't have funding available and actually the Law Society and many other organisations have worked a lot in the last few years to really open that up so that perhaps for students who think oh I would love to do a master's degree but I don't think I wouldn't have the money for fees I wouldn't have money for living costs there are actually funds out there now that do fund that kind of study and if you're interested in that I would always be happy to speak to anyone who, who wants to do that about how you can make that happen because it's important we talk about these kind of things, you know, yeah. there are barriers. But I, I got a scholarship to do my master's in international law, I loved it. And from there, I got a job at the International Criminal Court, first of all, as an intern and then as an assistant legal officer. And that was really transformative for me as an experience. Um, I was working in one of the trial chambers on a sexual violence and conflict trial. I was working for one of the judges and it was an all-female chamber. It was all female legal officers, myself and other intern were, were female. And it was a really nurturing environment. It was an environment that pushed me a lot. The legal officer that I worked for was always challenging me to do better, to think out with what I thought I was capable of, to, to try and get involved in things that were very, very frightening, um, not knowing if I was capable of it, but she really pushed me. And during that time, I realized that actually, if I want to do this kind of work long term, I should I should qualify as a lawyer. So I came back to Scotland after a year in The Hague and did my diploma in legal practice and then trained at a large commercial law firm, which was a brilliant experience. I was exposed to lots of different types of work, some brilliant people. And while I was there, I met two very, very good friends and, and colleagues of mine with whom I set up a small social justice organization called Reb Law Scotland. Mm. And we set that up, you know, at the time we were working at a large commercial law firm and there was pro bono work that we were doing while we were there, but we wanted to think strategically, I use that word all the time, but think strategically about how we used law and, and how law can be used as a tool for social justice. And I had been at a conference in London, um, which was based on a conference from Yale Law School, Reb Law. And this builds on this rebellious lawyering tradition from Professor Jerry Lopez, 
which is all about using, well, using law for the common good, to be perfectly honest with you, that is what it's about. It's about thinking how lawyers can hone their skills for the benefit of their communities and how we involve communities in that process. So we set up Rev Law Scotland and held a number of conferences on different issues, refugee rights, lawyering against homelessness, public interest litigation, talking about all of these um, issues with lawyers, but also with frontline workers, so people who work in the third sector, um, advocacy workers, support workers, people who have different experiences from us as lawyers, but who can really inform our practice. So I, I did that, I qualified as a solicitor and worked briefly for the government, and then I got a job with the Ethnic Minorities Law Centre, um, which is a small law centre in Glasgow, and I worked there as a solicitor which was a brilliant experience. There's been a lot of talk in the last few weeks about- Activist this whole idea. lawyers. Absolutely, about, about activist lawyers. I'm, I'm not sure I know what an activist lawyer is. I think your client would be pretty annoyed if you were a passive lawyer. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think that if there is an idea of activist lawyering, it's certainly the work that law centre lawyers do all across Scotland. They're incredible people and I was really privileged to work with them for a time. And I worked in Glasgow, mostly on issues of immigration, asylum, human rights and discrimination law. And I also ran our Highlands um, advice surgeries. The rural communities in Scotland often are legal advice deserts, um, particularly in areas such as human rights law, meaning that there aren't local lawyers necessarily who can support vulnerable people with these issues. And so I would travel up a couple of times a month to Inverness and hold surgeries up there with people who, who needed that, that legal support that they weren't getting elsewhere. So that was a brilliant experience and I loved that job very much. Um, but it was while I was there that I saw the advert for the GCU lecturer yeah. role. And for a number of years, I'd been working kind of a little bit of research and practical solicitoring, day-to-day -day work, and what really stood out about GCU, and I've already talked about it, gushed about it, is the law clinic and everything Claire McFadgen's done to build that. And I thought, that looks like a brilliant job. I, I would love to do that. And I always think if you see something that you think, I'd love that, then go for it anyway, because even if you don't get it, you'll feel like, well, that's kind of focused my mind on something that I would maybe like to do in the future but I got, I got the job and, and now I'm here. So it did, it did all work out. I got the job I loved. The coronavirus crisis then hit, which was a surprise. <laughs> but, um, but fortunately, I do still love my job very much. So that's you, helped how, me through. How have you found the transition from industry into academia? Yeah. Well, sometimes I think that as a practicing solicitor, I was too much a researcher anyway. And maybe as an academic, I'm a little bit too much the practicing solicitor. So I think that... I'm already used to that idea of being a bit of both. I've worked for a number of years now, two, two years, three years, um, on a project with the University of Glasgow about the first hundred years of women in law. Um, and so I'd been doing research work before, before I joined GCU. And with Reblaw, we also do research work. So I'd been working with, we have a partner in Malawi, the Gender and Justice Unit. And I'd been working on research with them about image-based sexual abuse, um, what's sometimes colloquially known as revenge porn in Scotland and in Malawi. So I'd been doing that kind of research work for a little while, but never full time, never with an ability to commit to it. And that meant a lot of missed deadlines and um, yeah, sometimes a lot of late nights. So 
I, I, when I saw the job advert, I knew that there would be, it would be brilliant to be in an environment where I could be doing that kind of work whilst also still developing those projects that I'm interested in, like the public interest litigation project, which is a very practical element. So in some ways, I don't think I find the transition that hard um, because I think it's actually allowed me to, to do my job in the, in the way that, that I've wanted to for an, a long time. Um, but I also think it has, I can't really take all the credit for that at all because I think that has been made much easier by a brilliant team um, who have supported me and told me, this is how this works and this is how you do this. And I think that always makes a big difference. This is where you make a cup of tea, um, all of that kind of stuff, which in fairness only applied for the first few weeks, but it, it is helpful. It's good to have people who are willing to support you and help you in that transition. And also it's been funny, you know, starting remotely has been really strange, but I think I actually do feel really connected to GCU and to other members of staff that I've never, never even met. I've listened to a few of, of the podcasts, the, the Your Common Good podcast, and that it's such a great way to connect with what other people are doing at the university. Yeah, there's loads, loads of great work going on. Oh, it's just brilliant. Um, I loved, I listened to the one yesterday about um, the history of women's football, and that's, I, that's something I know nothing about. And it's just so great to be able to reach out to other people's research and learn a little bit and kind of dip in and find out what's happening at GCU. And I think there's there's been lots of different examples of how that's happened for me over the last kind of six months or so. People have been really generous with their time and meet up for an online coffee, that kind of thing. So the transition's not been too hard, but uh, I am looking forward to hopefully not in the so distant future, kind of all being back on campus. Your work with Reblaw and the Ethnic Minorities yeah. Law Centre, it really sounds like you, you really have a passion for social justice. How important is it that lawyers have a passion for social justice? I mean, for me, that is the reason that I'm a lawyer. And that is what I enjoy about law. I think it is important. I also think that it's really important that we have lawyers who are really skilled commercial litigators, that we have lawyers who can, you know, buy and sell your, your home, which is such an important place for people. So I think it's important that we have a whole diverse range of, of lawyers um, who are able to meet the needs of our community in lots of different ways. But I do think for me, social justice and law are just so intertwined that I can't, I, for me, I can't actually tell the difference in my practice anymore because my lawyering is about using my legal skills to, to that end in many situations. But I also think it's really important that lawyers are, we have a skill set that's quite unique. We know how to go to court and how to address the judge, the sheriff, how to draft pleadings, how to navigate what can sometimes seem like quite a foreign language to many people. We know how to use our skills in a way that gives us that access. It's such a privilege being a lawyer. I say that to, to students all the time. It is a privilege. You're being given this huge depth of knowledge and you should use that, I think, for the benefit of, of other people who haven't had that privilege. So for me, it is incredibly important. And I can't really imagine being being another any other type of lawyer, really, at this point in time. Sometimes lawyers get the reputation, bloodsuckers, Ambulance chasers. Sure. There's, as you're saying, though, there's, there's different types of lawyers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do laugh because I, I think that, you know, I won't name any names, but there are certain tabloid newspapers who absolutely hate us. And I suppose that's fine. That's their prerogative. But 
I do know that they, there are perceptions of lawyers that I don't identify at all with as being accurate. But what I would say is lawyers who, who I know and the law students that I teach are principled people working to use the law for the benefit of their clients and for wider society. Um, I wouldn't engage with all the arguments that you see in you know, perhaps some sections of the tabloid press about legal aid fat cats and ambulance chasers, all of those incredibly derogatory terms. It does worry me that they are starting to creep in more and more to kind of our dialogue when we talk about law and lawyers, because that undermining the rule of law is such a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we see that just now during the pandemic, how dangerous that can be. It's really important that vulnerable people have access to lawyers and that they trust that they will be supported in, in doing so, that they'll have access to legal aid, that they'll be able to have a fair hearing and have someone represent them. And I, all the lawyers that I know are people who believe in that and believe in the power of law for protecting their clients and, and our communities. Right at the very start of this podcast, Sinead, we mentioned some of the exciting projects that, that you've got in the pipeline. One of those is the Public Interest Litigation Project, which you spoke about. The other one is Journal for Law in the Common Good. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So we've been really lucky. We got funding from the Clark Foundation for Legal Education to set up a journal. Um, it's led by students, so it's student-led, much like our law clinic. And the idea of the Journal for Law in the Common Good is it's going to be a place where our students can write articles about how they can use their legal skills, where they see in our society law being used for the common good. And it's an exciting project because, you know, at university you, you write essays, you build up that research knowledge, and it'll be really great to be able to share that with the wider legal community. So we're launching the journal when we get back to university next month, and it will be published in June next year. To go alongside it, we've also got a lecture for Law and the Common Good, where we'll have a social justice lawyer, um, lawyer in the widest sense, people who work in public policy now, but have a legal background, perhaps people who work in politics. So many people actually have that legal background and then go on and do really interesting things. And we're having a lecture um, from one of those one of those lawyers to talk to our students and invite the legal profession along as well about their career and, and law and the common good. So really looking forward to that, it's exciting. It should also be an opportunity for our students to see as well that perhaps in times when it's tough to get a traineeship and it's hard to get onto diploma and all of those things, that there's lots of different routes where you can use your legal skills, the legal knowledge you've built up for that wider common good goal. And I think it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to what our students write. And yeah, I think it'll be a really great, great project. Another project that you're working on is the GCU Law Podcast. The first episode was, was recently published. It's an interview with Gemma Neville, an author and an activist, and she's discussing her new book, Constitution Street. Can you tell me where the idea came from for that? Well, I think sometimes my problem, Craig, is that I'm a real ideas woman and then putting things into practice can be challenging. So I'm so grateful to you for the help you gave us right back at the beginning when I phoned you and said, we'd love to make a podcast. How do you make a podcast? And, that was my advice. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> but you did. You really helped us uh, work out how we were going to do that. But I can't take much credit, to be honest with you, even for the idea, because Lucy Mackay, our student director of the clinic, had been working on this idea last year when she was the projects manager for the clinic. 
she thought it would be a really good way to engage with a wider community of people and get our students thinking as well about law in lots of different ways. I suppose to some extent that also helps challenge these perceptions that people might have around law and lawyers and show them you know basically what we're what we're all about. So Lucy had had the idea and we started working on it together and we were really fortunate to get funding from the Scottish Book Trust to interview Gemma which was a wonderful experience. Constitution Street is a brilliant book which I would thoroughly recommend to, to anyone who's interested in community, who's interested in human rights or who even just wants a little bit of hope right now. Um, the subtitle of Constitution Street is Hope in an Age of Anxiety and I think that really that book was really important for me during lockdown. I'd heard Gemma speak last year at the Law Society Conference. It was a session about constitutional law. Um, it was about Brexit, it was about independence, referendums. And I think for many of us, those discussions have been ongoing for a number of years now, and it can sometimes feel a little exhausting and um, it can be quite hard to keep engaged in a way that feels meaningful and, and as if you're ideas are, are you know, being used in a positive way. And Gemma spoke about Constitution Street and it totally reinvigorated me and gave me a sense of purpose that I hadn't, I hadn't had for, I don't know, maybe since 2016 um, on those big constitutional discussions. And Constitution Street is a street, it's a street in Leith and Gemma lives there and she talks to all of her neighbours about what it would mean for Scotland to have a rights-based constitution. But she talks to them about what you know the right to healthcare means in a country where we have you know, really serious addiction issues. Mm -hmm. What does the right to a home mean when there's a high degree of homelessness? What does it mean when you've got refugee and, and migrant communities being denied their rights? And she talks to her neighbours about these issues. And that was really, it was a real insight for me because I think it's important that we are informed by the opinions of, of other people and, and people we don't necessarily agree with. We would maybe vote differently on polling day or we maybe did vote differently in some of the big referenda we've had in the last few years. But Gemma really engages with a whole host of people and brings together these rights about how you know human rights are universal before us all and how a constitution for Scotland could be could be based on that so it was a brilliant book and we we're really lucky to have the Scottish Book Trust fund that podcast so we got to speak to Gemma Lucy and I Lucy's the whiz she did all the incredible interviewing and then she edited it as well so I just got the the jolly the good time of, of talking to Lucy and Gemma about it but I would really recommend it to all our students um, reading Constitution Street and also just reading more widely out with of your legal textbooks I think that for me is influenced a little by the fact that I did law with English literature but I've often taken a huge amount of legal learning from books from fiction books um, it, you can't know what it's like to be someone else unless you engage with their stories and think critically about your role in wider society by engaging with what that wider society looks like yes, and yes. I think yeah laws really taught me a lot about yeah, legal skills and social justice, but books in so many ways have taught me those softer skills about empathy and understanding and listening. And I think that reading more widely for law students is a brilliant thing. And certainly I would really encourage them to read Constitution Street. Who else is coming up on the podcast? 
we've got a whole host coming up. We're really, um, <laughs> last week we recorded, I think we recorded three in one day last week. So we were, um, yeah, I think we were a bit done in at the end of that. But we've got some really great guests coming up. Um, so we spoke to our previous student director of the Law Clinic, Taylor, who, for anyone who's listened to this and is interested in the work of the Law Clinic, Taylor can tell you much better than I can what that's all about. And we also speak to a number of different lawyers, people working in the law, about what their career journeys have looked like. So again, for anyone who's struggling with questions about employability or where they go next, perhaps they've recently graduated, or maybe they're just starting out and they don't quite know who they want to be as a lawyer yet. We speak to Naima Sajid, who had a really interesting journey into law. Um, she was a mum when she started her law degree and she went on to be a partner in a law firm and she also set up the Scottish Ethnic Minority Lawyers Association. Okay. I'm as an incredible woman, um, very resilient, and it was great fun to speak to her. And then we've also spoken to Patricia Taylor, who is a recent GCU graduate. Patricia um, graduated, I think, in 2016, um, but she's just qualifying as a solicitor. She's qualifying in a couple of weeks' time, and she works with the Scottish Young Lawyers Association and also with the Law Scott Foundation, which looks to improve social mobility in the profession and create a more diverse profession in Scotland. We spoke to Drew McCusker, who is the, as he's a solicitor and he's the founder of the Glass Network, which is an LGBT networking organisation for solicitors in Scotland. And we're also going to be speaking to Alison Britton, who is the... Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, who's the head of law and economics. Um, and Professor Alison Britton's going to be talking to us about her career journey and Excellent. really what law at GCU is all about. So we've got a whole number of different people coming coming on and we'll be releasing them in the next few weeks. But it's been great, Craig. I love a blather. And, um, of course I can. Yeah. <laughs> how, can we, how can we listen to this podcast? So it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and if you go on the Law Clinic website, you'll also get links to all of our podcasts there. Perfect. Well, Sinead, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I've really learned oh, a lot. Thank you. And, and your passion for law uh, and for the students, even just talking to me, that, that has really come through. So thank you very much for your time today. Ah, uh, Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to the show and I hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be talking to another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to us from and leave a review while you're at it. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been The Common Good Podcast. Podcast.